So when you think of the Glenn Beck podcast, you immediately think sports, right? Yes. Yeah. So John Gruden, uh, he's uh, the uh, coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. He was the coach until yesterday. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to talk about it. Uh, And for some reason, everybody said, dear God, please don't. Uh, Let's get Jason Whitlock on. So Mm. we have Jason Whitlock to talk about uh, John Gruden and what happened. He has an interesting perspective, not necessarily a popular one with the elites, but I think you'll like it. Uh, Also, we go over what happened in Afghanistan, some of the people that have uh, gotten out of Afghanistan. Yep. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson joins us. Really Really good. good. Really good. Are we already in a revolution and just don't know it? We talked to a guy who was one of the heads of a teacher's union Union for years and years and years. years. And uh, been a teacher for 20 years. And he has decided he's had enough and wanted to set the... uh, set the example for all other teachers the former president of the teachers union in his local area in california resigned on air today you don't want to miss it today's podcast you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program that the FBI has been uh, unleashed by Merrick Garland, our uh, our attorney general. And he is uh, he's saying that, you know, there's been terroristic threats. Well, we find out today that Loudoun County, Virginia, the school board meeting uh, where um, one of the parents was arrested and he, I guess, is the catalyst. Um, he was arrested for being disorderly, yada, yada, yada. Um, and have been suggested now that it was a form of domestic terrorism. Uh, we found out now that uh, his daughter had been raped in the bathroom by a, quote, transgender student, a student that just identified as bisexual and wears a skirt from time to time. Uh, when you hear the whole story, it is remarkable. Uh, the school district knew it. They were trying to cover it up. Thank goodness for the sheriff's department. She was taken to a hospital after the school said that she had been beaten up. No, she had been she had been raped and the rape kit told the story. And as they cover it up, uh, that kid goes on to rape or at least sexually batter another kid in school. And the um, the the the, at the uh, meeting with the school board. The superintendent said, to my knowledge, we don't have any record of assaults occurring in our restrooms. Board chair said, have we had any issues involving transgender students in our bathroom or locker room? The answer is yes. This is why the dad went nuts. You would have gone nuts, too. Now the FBI doing the dirty work uh, for the leftists and for the unions and school boards. They're out of control. They're now looking uh, into parents. Because you don't have a right. Chris Stewart is with us. He's a congressman. uh, And he has written a letter to A.G. Garland demanding answers. Uh, Welcome to the program. Chris. Hey, good morning, Glenn. Look, it's it's interesting to see who Attorney General Garland, he has shown who he really is. 
And if we go to bed tonight thankful for one thing, it's that he was not put on the Supreme Court. Yeah, you Because he can try to destroy our country for four years, but at least, he, at least he won't be doing it for 40 years, which he would have been. But this is just beyond outrageous, Glenn. I mean, you, you look how, th- how quickly things have changed. In a matter of months, we've gone from Trump is a fascist to Trump supporters are fascist terrorists, to young people like my daughter who's expecting and thus does not want to take the vaccine right now. She's a domestic terrorist. To parents who love their kids and are scared to death of the poison that's being taught in schools are now domestic terrorists. And this attorney general is going after them and turning a blind eye to everything else that's going on in the world. It's it's unimaginable to me. So you wrote a letter to the attorney general and you asked for five questions to be answered. You want to go through them? Well, I, and, and to be clear, too, it's not just me, Glenn. And this is good because there were 60 of us who joined on this letter. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm searching my memory. I don't know of any effort like this that had 60 members of Congress who signed on within a few days. But essentially, the five questions are, you make this accusation that parents, as I said, concerned parents who are going to their school board and are just voicing their concerns. And by the way, the extreme majority of them, the vast majority of them are doing so in a very patient and reasonable way. And from that, you've lurched to, as as we've said already, they are a threat of domestic terrorism. So basically, show us the evidence. Show us the evidence where you have reached this conclusion. And secondly, we want to know how you reach this conclusion, not only the evidence, but what kind of coordination took place between the White House and activist groups and teachers unions and the Department of Justice, because you know that there was. In fact, we have evidence that there was. And in fact, the White House is the ones who initiated this. They ask for these activist groups to write this inflammatory letter to the Department of Justice saying they were intimidated and that they felt threatened. And then giving the Department of Justice, Attorney General Garland, the excuse to say, "Okay, well, we have to uh, we have to respond for finally this. Why in the world is this not a local law enforcement issue? Right. If you're not intent on intimidating, harassing and silencing parents. If you, it, why won't you let the the local law enforcement agencies, who are perfectly capable of dealing with an activist who gets out of line, why do you have to bring in the heavy hand of the Department of Justice and the FBI, unless your intention is to silence and intimidate? And I tell you, I wish every parent would go to the next school board meeting. I don't care when it is. Please go and just show your presence so that we can show Attorney General Garland that this is going to have the exact opposite effect of what he hoped for. So, Chris, uh, I mean, they don't answer letters. They don't answer Congress. They don't answer to anybody anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it it feels like a United Nations reprimand at this point. Oh, gee. Yeah. Well, a strongly worded letter, as we all say in in satire, right? Right. Uh, And unfortunately, Glenn, it's one of the few tools that we have. I mean, we don't control the house if. If we controlled the House, if I were chairman of the committee in a year, we could hold hearings and we could subpoena and we could demand that they come in and they can't ignore subpoenas. Um, But when Nancy Pelosi is in charge and when Chuck Schumer's in charge, there's very few tools that we have. Now, it can be a benefit. For example, you and I are talking about it right now. So it does help to raise awareness. 
And eventually, he is going to have to answer this letter in some fashion. Now, it might be three months from now, and he might say, well, we're still working on it. That's probably what he will do. I have no illusions at all that he's working every night late into, you know, till one or two o'clock in the morning trying to, you know, answer this letter to these Republican members of Congress. I'm not foolish. I know that he's not. But it's one of the few tools we have, and it's one of the few ways that we can help uh, help the public become aware. And also, Glenn, so the people know we're infuriated by it as well. That we're not just passively watching and sitting by. We feel the same way that parents feel about this. So... I mean, two years is going to be very long. I mean, how long has he been in office? Ten months? Nine months? Look at how our country, and I don't think, I mean, I probably, I, I believe you probably believe the same thing. A year from now, this country is going to be radically different. Radically different. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, one of the things. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Glenn, I didn't mean to interrupt, but one of the things that, I mean, people re- reflect to me all the time, and they, and, they, and they say to me all the time, and, and you and I feel it, it's not just that things are changing, it's they're changing so fast. You can't wrap your head around one issue, and three more issues have already gone by you, and, and certainly that's their intention. <clears throat> their intention is to flood the beach. I mean, they, they reveal this on the stay in office. We are going to flood the beach. They're not going to be able to keep up. They won't be able to object because we will go so so quickly and so broadly across our society. And when you look at what he's accomplished or unaccomplished in uh, in eight months or nine months, and you think, how do we live through four years? I do think you reach a point of critical mass where they've done pretty much all they can do. I mean, what a, you've already tried to destroy the military. You've already destroyed Department of Justice, FBI, now school boards, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, at some point, they may run out of targets, but it's <laughs> to leave our country, as you said, a really different place. Yeah, I, uh, I have to tell you, Chris, uh, I mean, you know, this all makes sense if you look at it as, you know, something I said a long time ago, the enemy of the future will be chaos. And we all know who the author of chaos is. What they're creating is not only chaos, but gridlock. Look at our airplanes. Airplanes not flying. Southwest not able to fly. Why? Because... Because uh, the pilots uh, are are on a sick out and it's going to happen all over. And if if it doesn't work to change Southwest's mind, Friday, those guys are gone. Friday, the police officers are gone. You won't have enough pilots. You won't have enough police. You won't have enough anything to be able to pull ourselves back from the brink. To me, this is this is a computer uh, that all of the all of the apps are starting to freeze on you. The only thing you can do is push the reset button. And I think that's what they're trying to cause. They're just everything they're doing is throwing monkey. This is sabotage, sabotage. Yeah, yeah, Glenn, I, I just couldn't agree more. There's two things that, that will be the outcome of this, and both of them are horrible. Number one is they just want to break faith with the American people. They want the American people to look at the government, to look at institutions, to look at everything from religion to Department of Justice to pick an institution and just to conclude they don't work anymore. And and the point of that is being, well, maybe our nation is so broken that we really should just start over. Yep. And if we're going to start over, then what will we do? And you know what they're going to suppose. But there's also another element to this, and that is the United States, whether we like it or not, Glenn, we are the light and the example to the world. And it allows them to go to President Xi in China 
or leaders in the Middle East or, or Vladimir Putin in Russia and say, look at that mess. Do you really want to be like that? It allows those leaders to go to their own people and to say, look at the United States. What a mess. Do you really want to be like that? But stick with me and we're going to avoid that kind of chaos. We're going to avoid that kind of hatred and emotion and the disruption. And th- I mean, those two things, as I said, it changes our future. It changes the future for our children. If we can't keep a core together of people saying, no, I love my country. My country is not perfect, but my country is not, is not, uh, is not completely broken. And if we can't go to the rest of the world and say, look, we, we're struggling right now, but you got to stay with us. We're going to fix it. We can get through this because we can, but it's going to be a real fight to do it. Chris, thank you so much. Um, God bless you. God bless you. Keep up the thank fight. You, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Chris hey, Stewart. Yep. What? I was going to say, we got, we got to stay optimistic. We got to stay in, in the fight because, you know, uh, we can't just lose faith in our future. I know you feel that way, Glenn. You've said that to me many times. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we're in it. We're in it. Uh, we're in it until it, one way or another. We're, we're all in. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, I urge you to go to your school board meeting. Even if you're not having this problem, you need to st- send a very clear message nationally. We are in charge of our children, not you. Everyone, everyone must go to their local school board meeting. You have to be there. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. at nine o'clock the divided states of america is it time for a national divorce the author of the new book the dying citizen victor davis hansen is with us now uh victor how are you sir very good glenn thank you for having me so i heard you say a couple of weeks ago that we're already in a revolution but we don't know it only one side is really fighting it can you make that case here Yeah, I think what's happened is the majority of the people, based on polls of these new cycle events, whether it's the border or critical race theory or stagflation or Afghanistan, all of them are a pretty traditional electorate. But the left has about 30 percent of the support, but they have all the institutions. They have the media, Silicon Valley, academia, K through 12, Hollywood, entertainment, professional sports. So that's a megaphone. And we feel like this bi-coastal from Boston to Miami or from Seattle to San Diego that each look out respectively on the EU or the globalization in Asia, that they're the whole country, but they're not. And they exercise an inordinate amount of cultural power. So I don't think that we're evenly divided. I think the majority of us want a traditional America. So two to one, they want Columbus Day. Joe Biden is now at 38 percent. And so when they see what's going on, they say, this is not America. So I don't think we're going to have a civil war because the left has inordinate uh, megaphone power, wattage or voltage, but they don't have the number of people. And I think all it takes on our part is for people to say, you know, I've had enough and it's time for me to start to invest more time 
in going to a school board meeting or coming out to vote or giving money to a candidate. And, and we're not as good. We, we have our community, our family, our traditions that we worry about, but we're not 24-7, 360 degrees like the left is focused on politics. And I think now that's going to end. Otherwise, the citizenship's going to be dead. I we have, have no choice. I've, I've seen this and uh, been on the front lines, as I know you have been. We, for some strange reason, the, the left doesn't have a problem just giving money like crazy. Uh, they give money to these, these crazy institutions. Uh, the Tides Foundation has found a way to, in my opinion, launder money. Uh, so you can give it to the most extreme people without your name being on it. And the, the right, they're looking, and I think this is actually wise, but they're looking for return on investment. Uh, and sometimes that return doesn't come in the next election. Uh, no, it doesn't. Right. And, and so how do we change this? Well, I think we have to identify the problem. The left is not anymore the middle class. It's the party of the hyper-wealthy and the very subsidized poor. We're the party, the Republican or conservative, whatever term we use loosely, is the upper middle and middle and lower middle class. And we don't have the culture that the left, wealthy likes and we don't have the romance that they 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 show to the poor and they despise us but we got to remember that this new wealth if we look at the fortune 400 glenn it's not the old oil and transportation and construction these pragmatic businesses or minerals or timber that people who ran them and corporations who profit them from knew something about the physical world they're all tech and finance and wall street and they're all adept at, at tapping the 7 billion person global market and their ideology reflects the, the bottom line, globalism, etc. And they're left wing because they feel they're never going to be subject to the ramifications of their ideology. They have the money and the influence to navigate around. Uh, you know, if you're John Kerry, you take a private jet and talk about climate change. If right. you're Nancy Pelosi, you praise the teachers union, you put your kids in private school. So we're up against a left wing multi-million and multi-billionaire class. And I don't think we quite grasp that. And because class is really the issue, not race. And they keep saying race, race, race. But, you know, Oprah and Margaret, um, Meghan Markle and the Obamas and LeBron, these are not exploited people, even though they say they are. And, and But we're, we're really hung up on this identity politics as the left does not want to talk about the party they've become, an elitist, bicoastal, globalist, arrogant uh, party that wants to talk down to the middle class. Do you think that's changing? Do you think it's being exposed? And is it being exposed fast enough? I don't know if it's being exposed fast enough, but I know that they're very uh, upset and they're paranoid that people are starting to say to the left, you people are racist because you're obsessed with race and you people are very wealthy and you're elitist and you're privileged and we're not going to take it anymore. And they're starting to think, wow, aren't Mexican-American communities on the border in the San Joaquin Valley? Aren't they supposed to do what we tell them? Why are they not doing what we tell them? And a lot of people are saying, if you turn your power over to these people, you will be paying $5 a gallon like it is in California for gas. Your electricity will be unaffordable. Your kids will be not given an empirical education. They're going to, and it's not for your going good. It's for their sense of acquiring and sustaining and perpetuating their own power. These are, these are people right out of the Jacobin revolution in France or the Bolshevik. They're not Democrats. 
I think everybody's got to realize that we're not dealing with Harry Truman or even Bill Clinton Democrats. This is a, a, a radical fringe that's got the money and the influence and the institutions that took over the Democratic Party. So how do we fight this? I think we're doing what you're doing, and I think there's avenues, there's podcasts, there, there's blogs, there's talk radio, and people are getting angry, and they're starting to say, you know what, if the science says acquired immunity is good as vaccination, and I've had COVID, then I'm not going to get vaccinated. Otherwise, I would ask the people who've been vaccinated to go get COVID so they would have double indemnity too, like you want me to have it. So they're starting to expose the whole uh, illogic of this left, of Dr. Fauci, of General Milley, of John Brennan, of James Clapper, these unelected. I think there's really a pushback, and it's getting heated now, but I think people have to sustain it. You saw the pilots at Southwest and the governor of Texas. These are not crazy people. They're, they're going back to the principles of foundations, and we believe in a strong middle class that lives within defined borders, that is not tribal, and doesn't you know, privilege race over, you know, merit. And we're not going to throw away the Constitution in the 233rd year of a republic. We're just not going to do it. And I think a lot of people are starting to wake up, but we've got to sustain it and, and encourage them that they're not crazy. Because that's what they want us to believe, that we're all cranks or transphobes or nuts and we're all alone. We're going to be canceled. And oh, how you, and I get an email every day. I used to read your history books, but now I throw them against the wall. They're all the, can, the same email that people send. And I think you get even more than I do. And everybody does that. But mm -hmm. that should encourage us to speak out, not to be coward or, you know. Yeah, I think the, the reason why the FBI has been called out is, uh, one, their arrogance. They think that they can get away with anything and their arrogance will be their undoing. Um, but also because we're winning. They, they, they would we, we not do something like this if it wasn't making a difference. They're terrified of that. It, they are. And would, did you ever think, Glenn, that we would live to a day when the Wall Street Journal writes an op-ed and says, given the status of the FBI, it should be disbanded and broken up and recalibrated and started all fresh? No. That's a pretty revolutionary thing to say in the Wall Street Journal, but that was there last week. And so when you have people with that status saying the FBI of James Comey or Andrew McCabe or Kevin Kleinsmith is corrupt, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, and it can't be fixed because they're unelected judicial, you know, legislative, executive power, all in one person or all in a cadre in Washington, and they're corrupt, and we can't fix it, so let's just get rid of it and start over. That's a pretty, that makes them very afraid. And the same thing with the Pentagon. When you've got people who say, General Milley, you violated the Ch Joint Chiefs uh, advisory role. You interrupted the chain of command. You contacted your Chinese counterpart in a way that's unthinkable. And you violated Article 88 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice when you called your commander in chief a Hitlerian figure to a main journalist. You can't do that. And I think he's crazy now. I mean, he's really upset. And he can't, he can't believe people would say this. He's chairman of the Joint Chiefs. So it's starting to embolden people. And I think this is really good for democracy and what constitutional republic that we are. You know, I keep looking for a uh, Charles Sumner sort of event where somebody is going to stand up in Congress or in the Senate and say, neither side, neither of you actually care about things. You're playing a game. And I'm not playing a game. I'm I'm. You know, Roger Ailes said to me at one point, you know what your problem is? You won't play the game. And I said, no, because it's not a game for me. 
I can't believe it's a game. It that's despicable and disgusting. Uh, I think it is. I, I agree. And, and I, I think I, I most Americans feel that way. I have the same experience at Stanford. I've had people who won't speak and said, you can't do this. You're a prof- uh, senior fellow. You're not supposed to talk like this. Or I, when I did your interview a week ago, the book shot up to number two. And all of a sudden it went out of stock within 24 hours, even though it's been selling by orders, but they don't count books that aren't shipped. So it's never, never been in stock since Holy 24 hours. How? They just put it out. So I did your show and another show. All of a sudden, it was number two on Amazon. And all of a sudden, it just stayed out of stock until as we speak. And then people say, well, don't worry. They're still ordering them, even though they won't count them as orders for your rankings because uh, they're not being shipped. Why aren't they being shipped? Nobody can tell me. It's the only book that was in that ranking. So they do things. If that's what happened that that are insidious and affects all of us and we've got to speak up against it i think we're winning though i really do i think at the midterms for all the problems in the republican party i don't think it's going to go back to mitt romney and john mccain and the bushes i really don't i don't think people can can run on a platform of you know no let's write off the interior of the country or you know as jeb said illegal immigration is an act of love i think that's gone for good It'll never come back. And uh, they know that. And so the candidates at least will at least mouth a new agenda that reflects the interest of working people. So I'm confident. I I grew up in a Democratic conservative household that did not like Republicans because they thought they were all elitist. And that was maybe pernicious to, to stereotype people. But the Republican movement or the conservative movement is becoming more nationalist and populist and broad-based and inclusive. I never thought I'd use that word inclusive, but here in the San Joaquin Valley, I just meet so many Mexican-American middle-class people, and they are sick of the left-wing, talk-down, elitist coastal party. Oh, they should it should be. I mean, everybody should be at this point. 67% of Hispanics are saying the border policy is a disaster. It is. And you ask them why, because I, I want them to tell me. And all my friends are Mexican-American here. I'm speaking in Fresno County. And they say, Victor, I don't want people crowding the dialysis clinic for my grandmother when I pay taxes and these people walk across the border. And they don't. Or why do we uh, have to be vaccinated? And we, you know, we do. And then these people are not asked to be vaccinated. Is it better to be an illegal resident or alien than it is a citizen? And they don't have nobody. And they said, no, nobody tells us. And I said, nobody tells you because your fealty has been to the left and they take you for granted. All right. So I think that the Democrats are very worried about it. Victor Davis Hanson, senior fellow at the Hoover Institute and also the author of the book that you should buy, The Dying Citizen. He has actual things in it that we all should be doing uh, to be able to save our nation. Um, we were talking about revolution and, you know, I really don't like this talk. People are like, we, we should secede. I mean, Texas has been, I lived here in 1980, what, eight, 1985, and they were talking about seceding. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Texas is always on that boat. Um, but I don't like that because I don't want to secede. I just, we're the ones that like the declaration of independence and the bill of rights. They don't. So, I mean, I'm not in revolution. They are. I think that's right, Glenn. I'm speaking from a house on my farm that I'm the sixth generation to live here. And I don't, when I think of my wonderful parents and grandparents and what they told me about their 
parents and grandparents, my great, great, why should I leave just because the state's gone insane? And here there's a lot of good people in California. In fact, I've discovered over my lifetime that the most conservative traditional people in the United States live in the conservative red areas of California. They're wonderful people. Why should they have to leave just because a, a coastal culture has hijacked the state that used to elect Ronald Reagan or George Dukmasian or Pete Wilson? And I, and I know how it happened. They opened the border and they changed the demography. And then they got $5 trillion in market capitalization in Silicon Valley and poured money. And then the middle class got disgusted and said, why pay these high taxes and get such terrible education? I'm leaving to Idaho or Nevada. But I don't think that's the right strategy. I think we need to fight and take back these states because I don't think these people are in the majority. I think they, they're they just it's an illusion because they have so much money and they have it's sort of like the Jacobins and the French Revolution or the Bolsheviks. They were never the they were never the majority and the Jacobins failed because people stood up to them. But the Bolsheviks won because they intimidated everybody. And then when they took power, everybody said, wow, they're just they were just a minority of opinion. So how do they do it? So let let me go here. We've got less than two minutes now for for an answer. But, um, you know, I've studied revolutions for the last 20 years. They have. They now you could claim that they had the military. They've eviscerated uh, the police. They have the media. They have the banks. Uh, they have the judges. They, I mean, they really have absolutely everything that you need for a revolution. So what do they we do, have? We have uh, <laughs> we have almost everybody from colonel down in the military. It, all the polls show it. This this woke Pentagon thing is one, two, three, four star among careerists. People who want to revolve into the corporate boardroom when they retire and don't want to offend their corporate people. We have the people who buy products. We have the people who have the checking accounts. We have the people that take the mortgages out. And we didn't really know that. We didn't know how much power that exercises. So when the American Airlines or Delta says, you know what, you guys have to learn that an ID is racist in these new voting laws in Georgia and Texas. And the people said, well, then why do we have to have an ID to get on your plane? And why can't you get your call waiting down from seven hours on the helpline? Or why does your plane have no fuel? And then guess what? They started to shut up. And that was just an inkling that these people are actually quite cowardly, Glenn. They, they, they bully people, but when people push back, they think, wow, there's more of them than there are of us, and yeah. they don't listen to our money and our title and our letters after our name. So I think it's a, I think there's hope. Victor Davis Hansen, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, author of The Dying Citizen. Grab it. Pick it up now. The Dying Citizen. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. They look at all my emails or they're spying on me. I don't have anything to worry about. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's nothing that you've ever written in an email. There's nothing you've ever written or sent to somebody uh, that was something that you wouldn't want to see in the on the cover of the New York Times. Uh, John Gruden uh, would probably fall into that category. Uh, this weekend he probably does care though maybe all of what you put on the internet is never gone uh john gruden uh 
I'm, I'm anxious to talk to Jason Whitlock. Uh, his show fearless you can find on YouTube if you haven't subscribed to uh, Jason's YouTube channel yet you need to uh, he is also our blaze TV host of fearless the Raiders head coach John Gruden has resigned over old emails and Jason is joining us now to tell us all about it and give his opinion hello Jason Glenn Great day to have me on. I know you're not the biggest sports fan, mm-hmm. but I've got an analogy that's going to work for you okay. in a massive way All right. and give you a way to talk about this. All right. What you're seeing with John Gruden and, and what the NFL is doing to him is no different than what Joe Biden and the Department of Justice and the military are doing to all of their employees. John Gruden is being chopped down to size as a signal to everyone else in the NFL. This guy had a 10-year, $100 million contract. Uh, other than Belichick, probably the most recognizable coaching face in professional football, maybe more recognizable because of the Chucky deal. He wasn't on board, and there's a lot of coaches and executives not on board with all of the gender and diversity and inclusion stuff the NFL is doing from female coaches, microwaving females through the referee process, the Black Lives Matter stuff. Take out John Gruden, make an example of him, same way Biden administration, make an example of Trump supporters and claiming that January 6th was this insurrection and the worst thing since Pearl Harbor the bullying of military people, if you don't get on board with uh, critical race theory and everything else, we're running you out of the military. We're, we're attacking you through, they're attacking parents through the Department of Justice if you don't get on board with critical race theory. This is all the same thing. Okay, so John wait a minute. Groot- so wait a minute. Uh, I, you know, I, I've read some of the comments, and some of the comments are, you know, what you would expect uh from you know people yeah. who are not who you know that are in you know sports or just guy well, kind of stuff locker yeah. room talk right yeah. locker mm-hmm. room talk some of the stuff is is pretty bad it's pretty bad there's no question but it's pervasive throughout sports and pervasive throughout football everybody in football male uh has emails text messages and or comments Similar, I, and I'm not in that vein, in that light. You, I get Glenn. I grew up in that culture. I played football all the way up until age 22. When I was done with college football, a lot of friends in the NFL, a lot of friends in professional sports. Everybody's vulnerable to the attack that John Gruden just went through. If people get to go through your private emails and surf for inappropriate comments. There's a good chance there's something there. If it's not in your emails, maybe it's in your text messages, maybe it's in a comment you said to someone 10 years ago. Everybody's vulnerable to this. And so you take out Gruden, and then that's what they've done here. It's all a part of the, the NFL and professional sports have been taken over by the left. The NFL is the most powerful force in popular culture. It's the number one TV show on five different television networks. Its Super Bowl platform is the biggest platform in American culture. More than 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. 
taking over sports, taking over the NFL, is crucial to the goals the, of the left and what they're trying to do. The NFL, correct me if I'm wrong, has been the least problematic. They've been the ones that, I mean, you know, the NBA is gone. Uh, the NFL doesn't seem to have, it It started out bad, but then it, it kind of pulled itself back, didn't it? No. No? <laughs> they, no, no? They, they're still doing the uh, Black Lives Matter sloganing and st- on the field, on the back of helmets. Uh, <laughs> NFL's the worst one. I think NBA. I think NBA is still the worst one, Jason. I don't know how you feel about that. NBA is probably the worst. Then maybe, then maybe the NFL, then Major League Baseball. I don't know. NBA is unwatchable. It's just a Democratic Party conference. Yeah, I guess that's, that's why. That's what they want the NFL to be. Yeah. That's, so and that's what they're doing. Here's what. Here's what uh, it kills me is, uh, and I don't know this guy. Stu says he was with the Eagles. Maybe uh, Emmanuel. Acho, mm-hmm. is that how you yeah. say his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gruden's mails are further and final proof for the necessity of minority voices in positions of power. Uh, so another, wait, wait, wait. So in other words, it's just a white people problem. Is that what he's saying? Immorality, according to Emmanuel Acho, yeah, is just a white person problem, and that you know that want black skin cures immorality. Uh, what about all the LGBT, what about all LGBT the LGBT deal that cures immorality? <laughs> if you, everybody knows that if you're LGBT, that cures immorality. Well, wait, wait. How uh, about all of the? How about all of the trans? How about that fo- cures immorality? I mean, what about all the football players that have you know raped girls, harassed girls, killed people? You know, killed Glenn, dogs. Glenn, <laughs> I mean, come on, Glenn. You know that's white supremacy. That that that's. They, without white supremacy, that would have never happened. Oh, I mean, come on! That's okay. your fault, Glenn. All right. Okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, I love your response to this on Twitter. Respectfully, who should it be? Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, Russell Simmons, Jay Z, O.J. Simpson, and I think you meant uh, uh, I, 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 maybe this was autocorrect, maybe not. Juicy Smollett. Uh, Me and Dave Chappelle call uh, whatever his name, Juicy Smollett. That's so funny. Uh, and st- I, don't, I can't even think of his real name now. <laughs> Jussie, I think. Jussie. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we all fall short. All human beings fall short. Power corrupts. So what yeah. should happen here? With John Gruden, we should have accepted his apology and kept it moving. No different. The, the NBA superstar Kevin Durant, a few months ago, uh, the actor Michael Rapaport exposed all the di- direct messages between those two, filled with misogyny, homophobic stuff, profane, all of that. And the NBA slapped Kevin Durant with a $50,000 fine, and everybody kept it moving. And uh, Durant issued an apology, and everyone kept it moving. Private direct messages between these two that put Durant in an embarrassing light, no one acted like the world had ended. No one had acted like this says everything about Durant's character. He apologized. He was fine. We kept moving. That's what should have happened to John Gruden. Especially since he's playing for the Raiders, which is not necessarily the nicest uh, Sunday school team in Las Vegas. I mean, one of the things that he got in trouble for was he was sending – uh, uh, pictures or girls or passing along 
pictures of uh, women in bikinis topless, yeah. where they were topless. And I'm Never heard myself, uh, I am shocked by that. <laughs> shocked. Uh, uh, Glenn, just think about this. The, the NFL has excitedly announced that it's Super Bowl halftime show, the biggest platform in American culture, will be will feature the rappers Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Eminem. Oh, anybody go listen to their music? It makes John Gruden's email seem like a Sunday school lesson. Go listen to their music. I mean, the stuff Eminem on Dre, on Dr. Dre's last album, I think, came out 2015 or 16. He had a lyric that said, "Even the women that I rape." have orgasms. He didn't use orgasm. He didn't say it. As, he said it more profanely than what I did. But again, <laughs> the stuff that these guys have rapped about, Brandon, Dr. Dre uh, beat up a woman violently. I mean, I don't know if he can do it nonviolently, but beat up a woman in the 1990s. The, the, Snoop Dogg accused of murder. I, I, the lyrical pornography that these guys have attached to their name they're appropriate for the biggest platform that we have in American culture, the biggest platform that football has. But John Gruden must be removed from the NFL's platform because of private emails. And, and the Chappelle thing that just came out really highlighted this with Da Baby, who yeah, who actually killed a guy in a Walmart yeah. under very strange circumstances. And didn't get canceled, yet he said a couple of bad things on stage about the LGBTQ2 plus community, and now he's, he's toast. 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 And, you know, some will argue, comedically will argue, like, uh, Gruden said these things about DeMarie Smith's lips and survived that, but you violate the LGBT, the alphabet mafia, and you must be beheaded. Do you think? Do you think um, uh, Chappelle weathers this storm? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I strangely do too. Well, I if you move to a point where you don't care, you can't be canceled, and that's where I think Chappelle has gone. He doesn't care. And so it, they can only count, cancel you if you care. And so I, I think he's there. And so I think he survives. Mm. I can't wait for your show today. Uh, Jason, Whit Jason uh, <laughs> Whitlock, you can, uh, you can watch him on Fearless, on Blaze TV. You can also uh, uh, subscribe to his uh, YouTube channel, Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to his YouTube channel and rate and review. Stu, five stars is appropriate, right? That's I mean, the don't, right number, yes. They don't have seven. If they had seven, it would be seven, It'd but be it's seven, only five. But five is, uh, I guess you're going to have to live with it. Jason Whitlock, Blaze TV and Fearless. Thank you so much, Jason. Talk to you later. Na, na, na.